All right, so uh, you're good Whatever. to go? Yeah, I guess. All right, so welcome to episode... You fucker, I was doing my intro. The phone podcast is not... Oh. <laughs> I know I wanted a different intro. Can, can I? Can I? No. The following podcast is not suitable for children under 18 years of age because it's about a movie suitable <laughs> for any age whatsoever. But if you're <laughs> under 18, what the hell are we going to do? We're not cops. Uh, yeah. We're not your parents, so listen away, man. Yeah. So welcome to episode 13 of Stuck in the Middle with You, a podcast where two guys take a look at a critically divisive film, see on what side of the consensus they fall on. My name is Derek Gane, and my broadcasting partner currently with me right now is the one and only Juan Barkeen. Say hi, Juan. The one and only? Oh, I'm incomparable. <laughs> well, you are the only you there is, right? I don't know. I'm pretty sure there's other other me's somewhere. There might be clones. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I'm just such a brand name that I could be killed and replaced with anyone. But one thing we can't replace, though, is our experience with the film that we've covered for this episode. So what film did we cover for this episode, man? (sighs) Death Race 3, Inferno. That's right, a 2012 action film directed by Roel René. So, Juan, (laughs) what in the hell is Death Race 3, Inferno about? I don't really, like... (laughs) There's a lot of backstory that they just, like, shove in for, like, through what's, like, essentially a commercial for Death Race. And it's, like, a little intro that explains a bunch of shit you need to know in, like, a minute. And then it gives you little bits and pieces of other nonsense backstory throughout that apparently all started with, um... Did it start with Paul W.S. Anderson's original? Not original, like his remake of Death Race. Here's how this movie stacks up. It is the direct-to-video sequel to a direct-to-video sequel to a remake of Death Race 2000, which was a movie that was that's from the 70s, I believe. So yeah, I think so. This is is a bit of a cultural Xerox that we're dealing with here, and uh, yeah, it starts off kind of in the same way that the uh, Neville Dean Taylor Jam Gamer starts off. With like these faux commercials about this this uh, gladiatorial sport that's taken the world by storm, except Neville Dean and Taylor are in their very unique way really good at world building. They're also just smart. Uh, <laughs> this movie is not that good with. It's world not building. smart. It's not good. You should have just ended it there. It's not that good. That's it. You don't need to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> one like we both disliked this movie but one hated it it's just like the only fucking memorable scenes in this movie involve either a women dying b <laughs> women showering c women staring at cars and then dying and d danny trejo getting blown that's true. I was going to say, you're forgetting blown up. But no, Danny Trejo no, gets an on-screen Danny blowjob Trejo in this getting film. blown. <laughs> See, here's the thing. Danny Trejo is one of those actors who are old pros that they're in a lot of shitty movies, but their presence is always appreciated. Honestly, yeah. But, like, this movie actually, like, it, like, it, it doesn't waste him, I would say, but it just doesn't do as much with him as I wish it had. Because I think the movie still thinks that they have Jason Statham when in reality they have Luke Goss. 
who is basically a cross between like Jason Statham's third clone, twice removed, and Pitbull. Dale. <laughs> you... What the fuck? <laughs> Can you just say that again for me in the whitest way physically possible? Well, see, it's easy to say it in the whitest way physically possible because I am white. I know, and but like, that was also that's, part of that's the joke. about as bad as Dale. Dale. Yeah, I said Dale. I know, I hate you. <laughs> but, but, you, know, well, you know, I also speak French, so Spanish pronunciations I can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that wouldn't be as funny. Sure, sure. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but yeah. Until Juan pointed it out to me, I didn't think he looked like Pitbull. But at the end of the movie, in his white suit and his aviator sunglasses, yeah, he definitely looks like Pitbull. He looks like Pitbull throughout the entire movie, except for when he has 50 different markings on his face. Because this character is supposed to be, like, a burn victim or whatever. He's Frankenstein. He has to wear a mask all the time. That's his, like, logo, etc., etc. Yeah, it's his gimmick, and that's how they market him because marketing is important. Because we, okay, wait, we're getting way the fuck ahead ourselves. Reality, fuck this movie. Here's the thing: this movie is about. It's I guess this movie thinks it's about globalization, about hostile takeovers of businesses, and making everything accessible on television to all folks and yeah. whatnot. Here's the thing. Gamer, I'm going to reference this movie a lot because there's a lot of parallels to be drawn. And I haven't seen Gamer, so I'll just let Derek take over this. And don't Gamer, spoil me for Gamer. No, no, well. I won't. That's, that's Gamer only... is a garish, nightmarish, candy-colored, dystopian nightmare of a film. But that's because uh, Neville Dean and Taylor have a good sense of what is garish. They can crank that shit to 11 and make it of a piece inside this universe, right? I mean, I think Neveldine and Taylor have a firmer grasp on the vocabulary and grammar of sports television and of video games and of computers that I don't think either Roll Renee or the, the other people working on this film do because in the Neveldine Taylor movies, it's a lot more well integrated. It feels cartoonish, but it also feels it's, it's so cartoonish that there's a certain reality to it. That this movie doesn't have. That makes sense. I agree. I mean, again, like, I've only seen some of their output, two of their output in particular. But, like, even in even in Crank and Crank High Voltage, there's, like, yes, the extreme cartoonishness of it all, but it feels like a real world. Because here's the thing. Let's, let's, not, let's not mince words. This is uh, – it's a direct-to-video movie. It's, a, it's an exploitation film. It's cars. It's guns. It's explosions. And it's women. And the difference between, say, this and something like Crank is that not only because it was ratcheted up to like 12 or 13 on the scale, not just because there was a kineticism and sort of a unified vision behind it. And it's not also just because it was self-aware. It was because it was united. It was cogent. It felt of a piece. Yes. This this, feels so disjointed and messy. Like it has – a certain kineticism, which is kind of lost because a lot of a lot of it is edited very erratically, horribly cut very erratically, which is weird because this is not something that uh, affected the only other Royal Renee film that I saw, The Marine Two, 
anyway, which is, leads me to believe that Ron Ray is a decent director. He just can't pick his editors worth a shit. Yeah, and I've never seen one of his films, so I can't discuss this further. But so, honestly, the editing on this film was. But what I'm trying to say is that it's 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 exploitative, it's dirty, it's dingy, but it has no sense of itself in that there is early on in this film, there is because the death race. It's basically Lamont's on crack. <laughs> It's basically a three-day rally where if a convict – because all these people are criminals and there's this whole other thing about sort of, you know, using convicts for entertainment purposes. Yeah, but that's been explored that's, like a that's fucking not, billion it's not really, times. It's, a, it's, a, it's, like, it's like mentioned, but it's not really addressed. The thing is like this movie takes a thousand ideas that have already been explored and just kind of tosses them into a little pot. And thinks it is doing the right thing by doing that, but it's not. It There's doesn't no, bother to explore any single one of them. No unified vision. At all. At all. It doesn't it's pick just, one thing and run with it. It just it kind of just throws everything against the wall and sees what sticks. And none of it sticks. That's is that, the problem. There's, there's one sequence in the film. It's early on. It's about 20 minutes in. Where oh, uh, fucking I I know I know what you're in Taiwan. <laughs> okay. I'm so mad about it. Okay, so there's the, it's the death race. There's ten racers, and for some reason that they don't bother explaining, there are sixteen navigators. So it's like okay, we'll have a pre-race event where the sixteen navigators, all women, all wearing push-up bras, and uh, no, I'm serious. This movie, this, this I'm, I swear that this movie had a line in its budget for push-up bras because everybody's titties were nice and perky and pushed up. And there was so much to, cleavage. Like, to an extent where... This is going to sound weird, but to an extent where I noticed. Like, yeah, no. It, like, it's, <laughs> it's distinctly noticeable. Like, it's like... And it's not even, like, trashy. It's just... it's uh, This movie's so... It's really... I don't want to say, it, like, it's ten kinds of misogynistic, but it's absolutely ten kinds of misogynistic. And it's not just, it's, like... It's oh, very leering. I was talking to Juan off mic about this. It's like, they had exploitation films in the 70s with women with their tits out but those women did things exactly they kicked those like, women shot even when it was just like they kicked people, ass you know? they did this they did that like at least you know it it's trashy yeah it's like it's like it's like the sexy lamp test do you know what this is dude the sexy lamp test yeah, yeah. oh my it's, god it's uh, if in a movie you have a woman that can be replaced with a sexy lamp and nothing in the movie <laughs> fucking changes there's a problem with the writing of your of your female character there. That yep. battle royale consisted of sixteen sexy lamps killing each other. 16... Oh, apparently the sexy lamp test comes from. Oh, of course it does. It comes from Kelly Sue DeConnick. She's a she's a great fucking writer. Uh, mostly comics and stuff. I love her. She I have so many of her comics. So shouts out to her. Thanks for the test. Yeah. This movie has a battle royale where sixteen sexy lamps and push up bras beat the shit out of each other. This is just a leering, cynical part of the film. So cynical, in fact, that the producer character in the film says, do I know my audience or what? Ugh. That is a literal line said during a 16-woman battle royale to the death with, like, knives and guns and shit. It's like, I am being talked down to by the sequel of a sequel of a remake. I hate it. Oh, God. 
and like it, they they have this 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 through line through the movie of just like trying to make a comment on either like reality TV or what people like to watch, and it just doesn't do anything for me whatsoever. You know, this guy he's talking about how he's going to have the monopoly of the most profitable sport in the history of the planet. And he just starts yelling, like, more cars, more cons, more guns, more death. And at this point in my life, I'm getting very sick and tired of modern cinema trying to make commentary on franchises. Vague self-awareness never... It's not enough. Like, it doesn't go straight through to the core. The only movie that's been able to do that kind of self-awareness on franchise properly at the time of their like, 50th installment is Scream. Like, yeah. Frankly, Scream Four is great at that, and I, I thought about it too when I saw Jurassic World, and like, it's really the only movie that can hit that kind of note and do it without coming off stupid or coming off as though it's just doing it because it has to. You know, it's another movie that does that really well, but within the context of itself, hmm. Spaceballs. Yes. Like, yes. of all but of Mel Brooks... Balls is just fucking... God, I love that movie. Here's the, like, here's the thing. Let's say a little parenthesis here about Spaceballs. Is I think that is the Mel Brooks uh, movie that has aged the least well. Yes. But at the same time... Like, I don't they went think from I'd being, ever not want to watch it. Like, it was amazing when I saw it for the first time. But I revisited it not too long ago. And I was like... Mm, this really? is all. This is all right. I don't know. I. I mean, the last time I rewatched it, which was like years ago, but I still very much enjoyed it. History of the World Part One is still my favorite, though. That's your favorite? Weirdly enough. Yeah, that's that, that's no one's pick. <laughs> I know. I don't know why. Uh, for the record, mine is Young Frankenstein. I know everyone's is is Young dopest. Frankenstein. Literally, everyone's is Young Frankenstein. Whatever. Well, you know, anyway, Blazing Saddles is like right there too, but. I guess. Young oh, Frankenstein. Anyway, I do love Young Frankenstein, but that's a great Blazes, movie. I don't know. Whatever. History of the world is in Blazing Saddles. Okay. Anyway, and like, so, yeah, okay, so, but like back to the misogyny of the world. Like, yeah. this movie isn't just. There are movies that are like, oh, we're in like a like a futuristic world. Like this movie just misogynistic by nature because like, you know, the world is misogynistic by nature. And like, no, 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 no. First of all, I think that's a bullshit excuse. Well, Second also, that's not an excuse. Well, this is unfair to, to a film that was released three years ago. But now you really can't get away with that in a post Mad Max Fury Road world. We <sighs> like we know it can be done another exactly. way. And know? like, it's not even like because you know obviously this Mad movie, Max Fury Road isn't quote, like meant to be trashy. But like, there are so many trashy movies that do it better in the '60s and the '70s. They did it better. Fucking everything that Pam Greer was in. Yes. You know? I mean, listen, I mean, this, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quote from my own letterbox review of this, but this movie is like if the Road Warrior and Gamer had a baby that was unworthy of each parent. A Xerox of a Xerox of a Xerox. Stapled to like, another Xerox of a Xerox of a Xerox. And so, like, the, my other biggest issue about this movie is that it has no distinct style whatsoever. And even within low budget movies and, like, direct to video, you can typically find like vulgar tourism. Vulgar tourism. The uh, you just said the magic words yeah, because like... here's the thing: a lot of these movies, a lot of these low budget films, are praised for their action photography, and this is not one of them. It isn't at all. It's this so is... bland in every single way, and it's so gray and it's so ugly, and it's just the shots are awful. It's edited to pieces. 
this is not the movie I'm going to recommend, but I do recommend that everyone goes like go to your uh, like corner store, go to your local bargain bin, and try to find a copy of The Marine Two. It's a WWE Studios Films. That is a good movie. I still for... remember the first Marine with John Cena. John Cena, man. And uh, directed by, uh, fuck, who directed the John Bonito. Oh, right. Oh, I was thinking of the other John Cena vehicle, 12 Rounds. Oh, my God, yeah. Uh, uh, directed by Rennie Harlan. Uh, incidentally, right. incidentally, uh, uh, 12 Rounds 2 uh, with Randy Orton is directed by Roll Renee. I recommend that one as well. But like I said, anyway. I think Roll Renee is a decent director, but the person who edited this had no idea what the hell they were doing. Absolutely not. And there's no like, tension. Here's the th- like, editing there's no is, viable tension in this. Editing scene. is super important, and I don't think it, it's an accident that probably the like the best regarded of these uh, vulgar auteurist uh, direct-to-video directors, John Himes, edits his own goddamn movies. Of course. Even even John Himes' weaker movies are really well shot and edited. Like even Dragon Eyes, which is not a great movie, it's really well shot. The coloring is way fucked up. I don't know what the hell happened there. But <laughs> as far as like the shots themselves are concerned, it's great. Exactly. It also has a pretty good Peter Weller performance in it. Okay. <laughs> and I mean, like, with action movies, I feel like if you do do your own editing, you're all the better for it. Not just direct-to-video, but just in general. Just generally? I mean, like, look or you have at... Some, or you have someone you trust. Yeah. Like, I can I can always go with, like, self-editing on their, their films. I mean, we can always go to the crowning example of modern action cinema which I'm sure anyone who knows us can guess who that is. Does it rhyme with uh, paid? No. You're not talking about the raid? Oh, oh, oh. That's why I was like, what the... No, I was talking about fucking director. Yeah, Gareth Evans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were on the same page, just different. (laughs) different I thought you were were talking about the movie. Uh, Yeah, Gareth Evans directs, uh, directs and edits. Yes, he is our crowning example of, like, modern action filmmaking in that term <laughs> here's here's the thing that's weird the character of hammer girl in the raid 2 gets a better arc than any of the women in this film yes absolutely see hammer it's girl true. doesn't even have a fucking name and she has a better arc i know but the thing okay like my my another issue i take with with um with uh inferno is that not a, like I don't give a shit about a single character in this movie. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> for Danny Trejo, because who, he's Danny like, Trejo, right? Yeah, exactly. Because he's Danny Trejo, and like everyone else in this movie, is I don't I don't care. I don't know anything about them besides like the this main is... character's backstory. That's it. And here's the thing that could take. Here's here's what I'm going to say about the film that encompasses the narrative strand. The action photography strand, the editing strand, this is my big overarching problem with this film. There is no weight to it. Absolutely no not. weight to it. Nothing. Nothing. It feels like a puff of smoke. Nothing. I'm pretty sure I tuned out at, at like multiple points because I just – there's nothing there. Nothing there. There's nothing, no reason there's for me to – There's not a lot to hang your hat on. There are parts that I liked. Like I liked – um, their, their attempts at sort of melding uh, sports TV stuff and video game stuff with the movie stuff. Not always successful, but I appreciated the effort. I also liked some of the throwaway lines that the announcer guy had. 
uh, I think my favorite one went something along the lines of rebroadcasting of this uh, of this event is punishable by death or life in prison if you're under 15. I thought that was an I thought that was a good line. I thought that was a straight up good it, line. It's not to say that there aren't like some little teeny tiny bits of fun. I mean, there's this one scene where this woman is basically she gets her car flipped over. She gets out of the car. These two people are trying to kill her, and then she's standing in front of the fucking truck, like challenging the shit out of them, like fucking come at me. And then she just hits a button and explodes the other car when they're trying to run her over. And she ends does... up getting run over five seconds later. But at yeah. the very least, no, that scene was memorable. That particular sequence is probably the best car-related sequence in the film. It's the only good car-related sequence in the film. And the only other really good thing about this movie is Ving Rhames looking, as I'm going to steal this quote from Derek, like uh-huh. a Dick Tracy villain. Oh yeah, with the with like it's like the like the the big suit and the fedora and and the fedora's kind of on a tilt and he's got the cigar. No, he looks like a Dick Tracy villain. And it's great. Like I loved it, but that's it. But again, I mean, you, you like you like that Ving Rhames in this, is in this movie for the same reason that you like that Danny Trejo is in this movie. Yeah, because, because that's who they are. They always put in the work. I mean, that's cool. Exactly, and I appreciate that. But fuck, like. And just did, just make are, better trash movies. Make better trash. That should be our our like a. Make better trash is really like my my go to go to. Like if you're gonna make trash, be like Robert Rodriguez. Like early Robert Rodriguez. Like all Robert Rodriguez, frankly, except mm. for like I guess Sin City Two. I don't know. Sin City Two, I heard wasn't very good. I didn't bother. Uh, the trailer looked disappointing. I know, like Machete Kills. Machete Kills, like, okay, I still haven't seen Machete Kills, admittedly, and I obviously haven't seen Machete Kills in space because God, it hasn't come out yet, and also because I don't think it's ever going to get made. <laughs> like, no, but when I think of trash, that's not ex- necessarily what I think of, because... I mean, let's be real. Like, it's, it's, it's trash. It's not exactly what I mean by trash. When I think of, like, high, like, gussied up trash, I think... Of someone more like like a Brian De Palma. Oh, that's like or or Paul Ver- like, or Paul or Paul Verhoeven. I mean, but that's different though. That's a different kind of trash. I I would definitely say like Robert Rodriguez is gussied up trash. Uh, of a different stripe, I think. Yes, I mean if we're talking De Palma Verhoeven, that that's that's high art trash. Like that's like trash pulp narratives taken through high art filmmaking i guess i don't i don't know this is a weird fucking thing to try to explain i don't like this <laughs> or like or, or or a jonathan demi in his early days or a roger corman or a yes yes i could definitely get behind that as well or, but anyway uh, anyways um, um this this movie just like to to reference other abundant trash action kind people who make better movies than this like so back to the editing of this movie for a second which also contributes to why i hate this movie there are so many people who cut their films to death that like or not to death to to success frankly that cut (laughs) their films so so heavily but they become good movies because of that fact compared to this which cuts it to death and like you know you look at like tony scott michael bay boz lerman you know, like the list goes on and on and on. Well, here's the thing with those guys is that a lot of the times their their editing is impressionistic, whereas this didn't give much of an impression of anything. No, it didn't at all. 
And like, it's, it's just like, if you're going to edit a movie with fight scenes, keep the fights in them. Like make the fights coherent. Get a, get matters. a, get a fighter who can act instead of an actor who can fight. Yes. Uh, whatever. I, I just fuck this movie. Uh, then like it has this ending that feels like a ripoff of like, the Dark Knight Rises, and also every Furious movie ever. <laughs> and it's just... And it sets up Death Race movie. 4, basically. Yeah, and like... Yeah, this not yet. It vaguely not... sets up Death Race 4. It doesn't try that hard. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I hated this movie. I really did. <laughs> this I movie just... was not very good. Derek's an asshole. That's about it. In my defense, I didn't know that this movie was going to be this bad when I picked it. Yeah. I know you didn't, and that's okay. So, Juan, fresher rotten on Death Race 3, Inferno. Rotten, 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 rotten. (laughs) And it just hit me what my recommendation is going to be. I can't fucking believe I didn't think of this before. Holy shit. Okay. Okay, cool. Um... (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's gonna have to be rotten for me too. This movie was not good. I I, I was disappointed. <laughs> I was. I'm sorry, Juan. I didn't think this movie was gonna be this bad. It's okay. I was kind of vaguely hopeful, but I I shouldn't know better. Just goes to show you shouldn't be optimistic about anything ever for any reason. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. So uh, this is my pick. So that means your recommendation. Is up first, so what do you got for us? And it just hit me a few minutes ago, as everyone just heard. Uh, but I was I was trying to think. I was like, okay, well, let me think of an action movie that came out 2012 that was far better than this. Because, you know, and I realized Furious 6 had come out uh, one year after, so I couldn't use that. But there is a movie that came out this year by the man who kicked off this remake trilogy. Uh, Paul W.S. Anderson, who I have a soft spot for, frankly, that came out this year, or 2012 year. Uh, and oh, I actually okay. think it's one of the best movies in this entire series of films. It is the fifth installment in said series, and it is Resident Evil Retribution. All right. Which I think is a fantastic fucking movie. On so many levels, like, I I think people shortchange the Resident Evil series so much, even though it's, like, honestly, it's four out of five parts a pretty fucking, like, good to great series. Uh, there's only one bad installment in the entire thing, which is the sequel, the fucking Apocalypse, which is awful, 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 awful on every level. But, like, Resident Evil, Resident Evil Extinction, Resident Evil Retribution, and Resident Evil Afterlife are all such, like, they're cool fucking movies. Like, Paul W.S. Anderson, three out of those four times, because one of them wasn't him, he has done such a good fucking job creating this, this, like, mini-universe of sorts that has little to nothing to do with the actual Resident Evil games but has become its own entity that's genuinely just really cool and compelling. And it's shot so 
nicely because Paul W.S. Anderson doesn't get nearly enough credit for making Being a movies. visual stylist. Yeah, exactly. And, and like it's Resident Evil at Retribution has no intention of being a smart movie. It's it's it doesn't make sense half the time. It doesn't <laughs> give a shit that it doesn't make sense half the time. It but like it's fun. Everything about it is so so satisfying and it's like it is vulgar auteurism at like some of its best. And yeah, I'm going to well, stop talking about Resident Evil. Well, vulgar auteurism is more of a mode of criticism and thought than it is a mode of filmmaking so but like let's okay I but i know it. but i know, you know but what i, I mean. know what you mean yes i'm just being pedantic <laughs> i know you are because you're fucking shit but speaking of speaking vulgar autourism tourism i'm also recommending i am also going to recommend that is part of the vulgar autourism world i'm derek hello uh speaking of vulgar autourism <laughs> i am going to recommend a movie that was praised in those circles uh and rightly so because it's an excellent movie uh probably the best film in this cycle of uh, of movies in this sort of region of critical thought i mean uh, really oh yeah um really oh yeah so the movie in question is the 2012 movie universal soldier day of reckoning directed by john hyams it's an incredible piece of work it's an incredible piece of action filmmaking as far as how Everything is shot, lit. Uh, there's a heavy David Lynch influence in the film. I think uh, uh, I forget who it is, but uh, comparisons to Lost Highway and Videodrome were made. Okay, I'm curious. It's really good. It's an I mean, you guys have tried to convince me to watch this movie. Like I assure time. you that you will not be wasting your time. I know uh, I'll dig it, but like you've got Jacques Van Damme in full on sad mode, just <laughs> great. Sad you've mode. Got You've got uh, Dolph Lundgren giving a very charismatic performance as a basically what amounts to be an evil preacher for the uni, for the Unisols, like a like a like a resistance leader of some kind. Okay. And no, the filmmaking is incredible, and it's dark, and it's violent, and it's gritty, and it's intense, and yeah, it's probably the single best direct-to-video film I've ever seen. So yeah. Okay, that's that that sounds fun, I guess. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So Juan, what are we doing this time? <laughs> I don't know. I have so many options. And I'm trying to decide whether I want to be spiteful towards like both you and I uh, <laughs> or be like nice and pick something fun that well, I it... already have seen and I know I love with all my heart. Don't forget, you got to give the people experiment. I can either experiment, hate myself, or love myself. See, see, here's the thing. I never know. I don't know in what situation I would ever want to just deliberately hate myself. It seems to me that's the kind of thing I would want to avoid. No, <laughs> not for me. I'm, well, don't I'm... forget that you're dealing with the emotions of another person. Yes, right? but I don't care about the emotions of another person. That's that's the thing here. But no, I'm not going to hate us that much this week. I am going to pick one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, shit. Which, which I own on Criterion, and I can't believe it has a 50 fucking percent. I mean, I actually can believe it has. I'm this shocked is, it's not lower. This is our second trip to the Criterion, uh, Criterion Closet. What's up? Yes, sir. It is Lars von Trier's Antichrist. <laughs> <laughs> I have not seen this movie. 
because I, I have <laughs> because I am a giant baby and and it's so good. <laughs> so yeah, I guess I'm gonna have to watch this movie now. <laughs> I'm so excited for you. It's such a fantastic piece of film and all, all I know is that Charlotte Gainsbourg does something horrible to her genitals and I'm not psyched for that. <laughs> good. <laughs> So yeah, that's that's uh, that's Willem Dafoe and Charlotte Gainsbourg in Lars von Trier's Antichrist in yeah. two weeks. I'm so excited. God. So thank you for listening to. I was about to say Dim the House Lights, and that's not. Well, no. Right. See, here's the thing: Dim the House Lights is the name of the website that we run together, where all of our long-form criticism goes. And you can find it at dimthehouselights.com. We write there, and so do our three friends in film criticism: Michelle Arf, Chris Mello, and Ross Burks. Uh, you can also find us elsewhere. Uh, we're both on Twitter and we're both on Letterboxd. Your handle at both places is Whoa, it's Juanito. That's W O A H, it's Juanito, altogether. And mine at both places is Derek underscore G. That's D E R E K underscore G. Uh, if you're interested in the podcast, you can go to the podcast's website, which is at S I T M W Y podcast altogether dot uh, tumblr dot com. There you can find old episodes. You can find links to our uh, show page on iTunes. You can find links to our Twitters, our letterboxes, our RSS feed, all sorts of neat shit. Uh, while lots, you're on- of <laughs> lots of bullshit. Lots of bullshit. While you're on our iTunes page, you can uh, leave us a review, uh, give us a rating, uh, help us out, give us some feedback, man. Tell us what's up. And um, I think that's it. <laughs> yeah. Is that everything? Yeah, pretty much. This is actually a... Shit, I blew through that. <laughs> yeah, this is a short and sweet episode. I'm, yep. I'm sure everyone's going to appreciate that fact. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Because well, it's not a movie that we want to spend too much time dwelling on. No, so now, so now I'm going to spend the next two weeks committing sins so I can be ready for Antichrist. I mean, you don't have to commit any sins. It's actually a very... Whatever. Um, I'll let you discover... Discover the magic of Antichrist. You are yourself. a rat bastard. You know that. I'm really not, though. I'm giving you a fantastic movie. Here's you the asshole. thing. I know that it's. I know that it's. Uh, uh, I know that it's like you know, a lot of people really like this movie and that has a good reputation. But I am also a giant sissy, and I want to punctuate this with like, like I want to end this podcast on a specific note, and that note is the fact that I chose this over Bear City. Uh-huh. So I suggest you be nice to me, Derek. I'm being nice to you. I'm just Wait, how is calling my how is me calling myself a sissy being mean to you? It just is. See you in 2 weeks, everybody. Bye. <laughs>